I won't scare you this time. <laughs> oh, considerate of you. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Uh, no. No. Not today. <laughs> Ooh. Where's that flight? So oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh, okay. son of a bitch. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um there I wasn't going to scare my mom with what's up bitches and then a uh, hornet flies right in front of both of us. So there's that. Kinda. <laughs> it's not we're off to a wonderful start. I'll just put it as that. Oh, and I forgot to put my watch on silent. Okay. Welcome back to Miners of Mayhem. This is episode nine, Eric M. Smith. And I can't believe we're already on episode nine. Time is flying by. Yeah, when you just now said that, that, that sounded weird. Yeah. Oh. It flew away. <laughs> um, for this case, the trigger warning will be for sexual assault and domestic violence. So if that's not your thing, I'll try to give a trigger warning ahead of time so you can skip forward a couple seconds. Um, this case truly pisses me off, and I'm not exactly sure how to feel about it. So we would love to hear your thoughts on it. So let's get into it. What are we doing today? <laughs> Eric M. Smith. I think your dog is pissed. Yeah, well, he'll live. <laughs> I can e hear him yipping. I know. Eric was born January 22nd, 1980 to Tammy and Ted Smith, along with Eric's younger sister, Holly. They lived in Savona, 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 New York. Eric's childhood wasn't that easy. He grew up in a abusive home environment and was also bullied in school by his classmates for, quote, my ears, my glasses, being short, my red hair, pretty much all of those, unquote, is what Eric said in his testimony. Do you have any more on Eric? Um, like as far as his childhood? No. Can I add? Yeah. Okay. So he was the middle child. Oh. Um, I only found a younger sister. Oh, he's the middle child. And um, during pregnancy, Tammy, his mom, mm -hmm. took anesthesia and epileptic medications. And the interesting thing there is some of the prof professionals believe the medication contributed to Eric's appearance. Oh. The low set ears, they stuck out really far. Okay. And then... Um, he also threw terrible tantrums as a toddler. And he, during those tantrums, he would actually bang his head over and over and over on the floor. So you're talking frontal lobe here, you know? Wow. So interesting. I didn't come across that in my research. That's crazy. Ah, I have a little bit more. Uh, did you talk at all about how Eric's adopted father treated him? No. Okay. He didn't treat him very well at all. He um, admittedly said in court that he himself had a hot temp temper. And he would say he was sick and tired of the crap. I'm sick and tired of you. And he'd also just knock him upside the head. Oh, wow. And then when Eric got really upset, he would crunch his fists and just shake, you know. 
And he said one day, Dad, I need help. I want to hurt something. And his dad told him, well, when I got angry when I was young, I would grab a bag in the barn and just start beating it until I was too tired to do anything else. And his dad heard the door shut and he turned around to see that Eric was gone. And after a while, Eric came back in the door. His knuckles were skinned up and bloodied. And when his dad asked what happened, Eric said he hit the tree a couple of times and he seemed to be okay. And the really sad part here is his parents knew he was being bullied and was struggling mm -hmm. in school. Um, it was a normal occurrence for him to get off the school bus in tears. This was like almost an everyday occurrence. Oh, so his wow. parents knew. So he asked for help and he nobody did. would help him. He did. Wow. His parents knew this was going on. And the advice given to Eric by his mom was that he needed to learn how to stick up for himself. So okay, yes, we'll this teach him how to stick up for himself. Right. So I think there was a lack of, you know, help there. He probably didn't even feel wanted. Yeah. And so obviously he had a lot of frustrations. Did you touch on any of the animals? No. Okay. I didn't come across any of this in my research. Oh, okay. So he literally got so frustrated with, you know, being bullied and coming home in tears and he's asked for help and his parents really aren't doing anything other than giving him really, to say it bluntly, shitty advice. Yeah. He started taking his frustrations out on animals. Oh, shit. Yeah. He would shoot dogs with his BB gun, strangle cats, and drown birds. Wow. Yeah. So... <coughs> Red flag, right? Yeah. Especially when it comes to, in a lot of these cases, um, if they abuse animals, it's tell. Yeah. Well, well, my my kind of thought on this, and I, I believe I came across somebody else's theory too. He was being bullied by people. Well, he was getting so frustrated. In turn, what does he do? He bullies things that are smaller than him. Yep. And I'll so, touch on that. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll let you get back to it. I didn't mean to jump in on your case. Um. Eric confessed that he had unresolved anger problems that resulted from being bullied and mistreated. It wasn't just the emotional abuse that fed his anger, but it was physical abuse as well. On August 2nd, 1993, a day before I was born, um, Eric was 13 years old. Eric had rode his bike to an outside recreation program in the village of Savona, but when he got there, it was closed. This instantly put Eric in a bad mood. This is when Eric spotted a younger boy and decided to take his anger out on him. Um, Derek Robbie was born to Dale and Doreen Robbie. Doreen described her son as a, quote, a wonderful child, unquote. Derek was only four years old at the time of his murder. What? He, um, did you know that he was the unofficial mayor of Savona? Oh, you got that? I'm sorry. Yeah. And he was all boy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Derek loved to be a part of recreation programs. And on the dreadful August 2nd day, that's exactly what Derek planned on doing. 
Since the park wasn't far from Derek's home, his mother allowed to go there by himself, since it was just down the street and even on the same side. It was the first time Doreen allowed Derek to go somewhere alone, so let's not mom shame for allowing. And this is 19, what did I say? 90, 93. And yep. we, we really can't mom shame her because it was a straight shot. It was a dead end, and he didn't have to cross any streets. Yeah, so let's not. And she him. had a brand new baby that she was struggling with. Yep. Um, a decision she would regret for the rest of her life. Mm -hmm. Derek kissed his mother, said, quote, I love you, Mom, unquote. Kissed her, and he was on his way. Those were the last words Doreen would hear him say and the last time she would see him alive. As Derek was walking, Eric came up to him, convinced him that he knows the shortcut through the woods, and Derek went with him. This is where the trigger warning for sexual assault will come in, so if that's something you don't want to listen to, go ahead and skip ahead 15, 30 seconds. Once they were in the woods, Eric started beating Derek, sodomized him with a stick, strangled and eventually beat Derek to death with rocks. When Doreen was told that Derek never showed up at the park, she immediately filed a missing persons report. Now police suspected that since the park was near a major highway that a stranger had done it because they couldn't imagine anybody that would want to hurt the t-ball player they called the unofficial mayor of Savona, unquote. Mm -hmm. People described Derek as the happy little boy who would sit at the corner to greet people. The police didn't discover Derek's body until hours later. I'm listening. Oh, <laughs> you looked at me like you had a question. Mm -mm. Um, meanwhile, Eric's behavior became alarming. The night of the murder, Eric asked a family friend, quote, what would happen if it turned out to be a kid? Unquote. And she replied with, I think they seriously need some psychiatric help. Eric replied with, oh, okay, and walked away. Marlene, that's the family friend, realized that Eric went to that park near the crime scene, and she said, quote, and that's when it all kind of come together for me. Okay, he might actually know something or have seen something, unquote. Marlene called Eric's mother, and they took him down to the police department to meet with investigator John Hibsch, H-I-B-S-C-H. Hibsch? I tried my best. <laughs> John said that Eric seemed to enjoy talking about the murder, saying, totally enjoyed it, didn't want it to end. At first, Eric denied even seeing Derek, but eventually he did confess. Eric pleaded, saying, quote, I'm sorry, Mom. I'm sorry. I killed that little boy, unquote. In August 1994, Eric, being the age of 14, was tried as an adult and sentenced to nine years to life in prison. He was held at a juvenile center until he turned 21 years old. Then he would be transferred to a prison. And nine years passed, and he had his first parole hearing, which was denied. After that, he would have a parole hearing every two years, which, for
for Derek's family was a treacherous nightmare that they would dread. Doreen, who is Derek's mother, said, quote, It upsets me, the fact that we have to beg to keep this killer, killer behind bars. They could decide that, well, now he's done his time, we're going to let it go, let him go. It scares the hell out of me, unquote. John Tunney, Tunney or Tooney, T-U-N-N-E-Y, Tunney? I think so. John Tunney, the prosecutor in the case, said of Eric, What I do believe is that Eric was tired of being the victim in his mind, and he wanted to see what it felt like to be the victimizer, unquote. In 2004, when Eric had another parole hearing, he admitted that he had a good feeling when he strangled Derek because instead of me being hurt, I was hurting someone else. He also admitted that if he wasn't caught and convicted, that he would kill again. Mm. A, a serial killer in the making is what it sounds like mm-hmm. to me. His parole was denied also in the same year, in 2004. A few years later, when Eric was interviewed by WENY-TV, he stated he hoped to become a counselor so he could help other kids who were bullied like he was. Now, to me, to me that sounds a little contradicting. Like, two years ago, he said that if he wasn't caught, he, was, he would kill again. And then now he's saying he wants to be a counselor to help kids that, who are bullied. Maybe a different maturity level? I don't know. It sounds like maybe he's trying to make it sound like he has been rehabilitated. That could be, too. But I don't know. Yeah, nobody will know. Um, Eric said, my anger wasn't directed at Derek at all. It was directed at all the other guys that used to pick on me. And when I was torturing and killing Derek, that was what I saw in my head. Eric realized and understood that, understood why Derek's family didn't want him released and said, I did kill Derek. And for that, you know, I am sorry. If I could switch places with him and take the grave for him to live, I'd do it in a second. You can label me as a monster, a cold-blooded killer, a demon child, Satan incarnate. That doesn't mean that's who I am, Eric said. Eric also said, sorry, there's a glare on my screen and it's... It's coming right in that window. Eric says he is a changed man after years of therapy. It wasn't until October 2021 that he had a parole hearing, his age being 41, when he told the parole board that he had a fiancé and while in prison that God was calling him to do ministry and was working on getting his degree in crusade evangelism and also working as an electrician or carpentry. And he, at this hearing, he said, quote, I am not a threat. The 13-year-old kid that took Derek's life is not the man sitting in front of you talking. If you were to give me a chance, I would not only prove that I'm not a threat, I would definitely be an asset to society, which screw you, because 
Derek sounded like he was going to be an asset to society. And he doesn't get that chance. No, he sure doesn't. And it just, it's infuriating what he says. And that's my opinion. The parole board did grant his release. Oh, they did? Yes. Oh, okay. In November 2021, there was a protest that made it clear that they didn't want Eric to be released. Doreen said, quote, I wasn't so much worried about us as I was everybody else. And Dale said, I just know where a lot of people in town in the village stood. Eric served a total of 28 years and was released at the age of 42. And his release was delayed until he was approved for housing. And he is currently living in Queens, New York as a free man. Now, I want to know if you guys think he is truly rehabilitated or if you think that he was released too soon. Don't you think time will be the only thing that will tell that? Probably. Time will tell. You know, there's, there's, there's more to this story. Um, I don't know how much you want to dig a little deeper here. Did you know that the rock that he dropped weighed 26 pounds? Where do you do your research? Because I, I had ain't Sharon, like, man. I had like seven tabs open, like shuffling through all of them. And <laughs> what you're telling me, I never found any of it. <laughs> Not sharing. Oh. Did you know why he sodomized Derek? No. The excuse that he gave to the court? No. Because in his 13-year-old little head, he thought that if he inserted that stick, he could reach the heart and get it to stop beating. What the hell? Yeah. Now, did he have diminished mental capacity? I mean, did he honestly think that at, thir- at 13 years old? Could a person really think that way if he had a... I don't know. I have no idea. Probably not due to the history that you told me. Right. But then in another mindset it's like he's going to school he's got to learn he was held back a grade i don't know i mean it's interesting just to kind of and he also um took the damn kool-aid and poured it in Derek's wounds he took kool-aid yeah out of his lunchbox oh my and apparently now this is just something that when he was interviewed um, something's poking my head. When he was interviewed, the investigators brought him red Kool-Aid and he knocked it to the floor. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what else I have here. Wow. Did you know that Derek was buried in his baseball uniform? In his baseball uniform? Yep. Oh, wow. Yeah. I and what else can T-ball. I... Yeah, what else can I say here? Let's see. The defense lawyers did try to prove that Eric was insane at the time of the murder because of he had diminished mental capacity and was mentally ill. But the prosecution countered. With what? 
they countered the insanity defense by saying Eric knew exactly what he was doing that day by intentionally luring Derek into the woods where he couldn't be seen. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. That's so I, sad. I don't think I have anything else. That's so sad. And and just to think like how yeah. horrible his mom felt, like allowing him to go for the first time by himself and then this happens, like that's got to be the most devastating thing. Yeah, she had, th there's no way, she couldn't anticipate that. I bet she blames herself. Oh, I bet she does too. I forgot one other thing. Well, there's something poking my head, sorry. Um, and this enraged a lot of people. I mean, they were just downright freaking livid. On the day of the murder, Derek was wearing a Tasmanian Devil t-shirt. Yeah. Eric showed up in court wearing a Tasmanian Devil t-shirt one on one of the court days. And the people were just pissed. They were pissed. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I would be pissed, too. Um, oh, I don't think that I poor have, little boy. Yes. I don't think I have anything else to add to this. Okay. I mean, it. when you told me what you're doing, it was like, oh, I know this case. Yeah. <laughs> so, And it's a good thing because you mentioned a lot of things that I didn't know. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, oh, and... Um, he could only, apparently, according to the New York law at that time, he could only be charged with second-degree murder because he was a juvenile, juvenile, even though he was tried as an adult, that's the highest level of charges that they could charge him with, was second-degree murder. Oh, wow. But okay. that was back in the 90s. Yeah, it was 1993. What? Well, we want to know what you guys think. Um, shoot us an email at minersofmayhem at gmail.com or send us a Facebook message by searching for Miners of Mayhem. And we just want to tell you how much we appreciate all the love and continued support from all of you. Um, and as always, our hearts go out to the victims' families. Absolutely, 100%. The sun is driving me nuts coming through the window. Okay. Bye. Bye.